How are we, Dave? Very well. How are you? Frustrated, I bet. I am frustrated. Um, our Patreons will notice there was no newsletter this week after the first week back doing the newsletter. Promising uh, more regularity, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately... Fair reason for it. Yeah, unfortunately we... Or I, sorry, had a contact lens incident. Sorry, multiple contact lens incidents which culminated in the final contact lens incident where I'm kind of blind until next week. <sighs> which so sucks. We, um, so I guess let's go into Stone Day because that's a good place to start. Yeah, okay. We were up in Byron over the weekend for the Stone and Wood. Extremely fortunate. Yeah, thank you to Stone and Wood. Uh, hashtag freebie. Uh, oh, could not be more appreciative. Yeah, yeah. They So basically, people that don't know, every year they invite a core group of, uh, I guess, mostly accounts, bars, bottle shops that, that are... A lot of their valued customers. Yeah, yeah, I think I get the sense they're invited by the reps. So not every Stone and Wood rep goes, but the ones that do get... X amount of invitations, and so they invite, you know, either valued customers or highest customers, or, or I'm not sure how they do it. Uh, and they invite a, a couple of the media along. So I gather that it's just a. I don't think it's necessarily a valued customer. I'm sure it is, but there's it's, there's an eclectic group of people with very like extremely varied. Uh, customer roles yeah, in, yeah. in the industry. So yeah, so it's, it's valued at your discretion, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so we're up there as, as media with uh, Emily from Froth and Will from the Crafty Pint. It's a good good little media good, posse good, to good have. Good group, yeah. And so I guess the, the contact lens story was I knocked one of my contact lenses out while taking a photo at night standing on wet concrete. Yes. Uh, and that contact, for, like thank you to everyone that helped me look. In the dark... With sort of spotlit concrete, yeah. So it was just glistening, shimmering, <laughs> wet concrete. It could not be worse. It could not. It was a needle in a haystack. Also, it was mottled concrete. Yeah. So it was like textured concrete. Like, it was <laughs> gone. Um, big shout out to everyone that helped me look. Yeah, it was a good. Uh, it was a good group effort. To yeah. Try and find it. everyone had a lot of. What did we do before iPhone torches? Don't just know. Lost contact. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you. You did lose the contact. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, like even the production, head of production, Richie, um, was out there looking. He was tireless. It, yeah. it was a group effort. Uh, so, yeah, the rest of the weekend I was blind. Uh, but Sight-wise. Sight-wise, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I guess if you're going to be limited in sight, what a nice bunch of people to help you oh, get absolutely. through that. It's, uh, I was going to say it's a bit of a hack thing to say, but, like, I don't know if I've come across an organisation with... Where everyone is a legend yeah. in the organization. There's a great bunch they've got running that business. Yeah, I think, and I, I guess I have been a fan of Stone and Wood for a long time just because how they go about things. And I know it's easy to say this once we've come back from a free weekend in Byron Bay, but yeah, it's, it's a place full of so many smiles. Yeah. There are, I guess, there's no one miserable, there's no one unhappy about their day. Uh, absolutely. And it was sort of like, we got out of the blocks with that sort of feel when um, the rep from Gold Coast, who was sort of ferrying us around, Pat, yep. Yep. Um, when he met us at the airport, he said, jump in, guys. Just got to take a quick detour to my car to get my surfboard. Yeah. Just playing up to every like awesome <laughs> idea of stone and wood that you have. And he looks like a surfer. Yeah. It was just the, the flying start. He... Um that was actually quite funny because he's really apologetic about it. And like it was literally just driving around the corner to get it. 
Uh, yeah, you got a surfboard. Unbelievable yeah. hospitality and um, generosity from those those guys. It was really staggering. We also, I, I kind of want to talk about the distillery distillery we went to. Sure. Cape Byron Distillery, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, they make Brookie's Gin. Uh, it was really fascinating. So they were saying that 99% of the rainforest around Byron and that, that whole area has basically been farmed and logged and all that. Yeah. So they've been regenerating it and sort of... Family business for the last 30 years, if I'm not mistaken. Is yeah. that right? So yeah. macadamia farms, they make muesli and stuff, but then they've started making gin the last couple of years. And they're, while they're regenerating the sort of native Byron forest, they're also growing things that they can use in their gin, native plants use in their gin. Uh, so they, one of the, the hosts there, I can't remember his name, uh, but he took us on a walk through the rainforest where we picked things off trees, ate things, tasted things, and these are the things so that... So literally it was like down the steps from the back door of the distillery, you're in the rainforest, yeah. and that's where they're growing all their botanicals and that sort of stuff. It was, I mean, when we saw um, the itinerary that we were going to be doing a distillery tour, I was thinking, fine, okay, I'd like to drink some gin and maybe buy some. The tour, I'm not that excited about, but I mean, why the hell not? Mm. But... That's like one of the best tours I've ever been on because as much as it was about the gin, it was more about a lesson in sustainability, uh, a hands, not just a lecture lesson in sustainability, but like a very uh, easily understood, uh, tangible lesson of sustainability and just the fact that they've managed to grow essentially as a family, that rainforest that's flourishing after just sort of 30 years with a lot of the elements only being sort of a decade old is kind of amazing it made me want to plant a rainforest in my backyard i, know. I mean <laughs> sort of selfishly you feel like you, you, you uh, what's i can't think of who, who what, where the quote's from but it's like uh the man who plants a tree plants it for his future generations is a quote that's much better than that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think i know the one you mean yeah, but yeah. uh but i mean you're not gonna really see the fruits of it but that's a great showcase that you really, really Yeah, care. like, the, the, yeah, the, as you said, the 10-year growth was incredible. Even things like, they had little beehives around, which were native bees to that area, that mm, they don't have stingers, which I don't know that bees No, they were have. very, very small, didn't have stingers. They pretty much just pollinated all the plants that flowered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They also make, not honey, it's a different substance for some reason it can't be called honey it's called sugar bag yeah we didn't get a chance to taste it no yeah we, I, f- I forgot until now that we were going to have a chance actually. Yeah, yeah yeah but um yeah so that was interesting like even yeah, in that couple of minutes i learned so much also they they make a slow gin which just won a gold medal at uh, i think the san and francisco their gins won gold medals, yeah, yeah yeah um slow gin spelt with a w instead of an e because they use a native plum uh, I can't remember the name of the plum. Davidson plum? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, Davidson plum. And it has a similar taste to slow berries, which are used in slow gin. And we had a taste of that. It was delicious. Gorgeous. Yeah. We had a chance to taste it at a really early stage as well, which um, was pretty incredible. Like, not in a taste good way, but in an extreme character way. Yeah. It yeah. was pretty amazing. I yeah. thought that tasted good. Uh, it was rough, yeah, but good. It was rough. It was really rough. It reminded me of Campari or something. Yeah, I get that a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, there was just a lot of time and work to be done with that. But it was um, great gin, really good. And I guess that hammered home to me. We've talked about it in the past. Rather than go on a, a distillery tour or a brewery tour, seeing the process behind it, 
and seeing why they make it a certain way. And I, I know that not every brewery or distillery has a rainforest at the back, which yeah, they yeah, harvest their botanicals from. But, you know, we got to taste that pre-process. Oh, of course. And I mean, the amount of times that you hear botanicals talked or lectured to you about botanicals is fine. There's plenty to get from that. But to have that, but then also have that reference point of being able to grab the botanical, crush it up, smell it, taste it, see how it grows. Uh, that adds just a whole more useful element than um, just the lecture. My, I think my favourite part, and it's almost a sad story, was the guy that I think 20 or 30 years ago, in the, oh, it might have been in the 80s, so 30 years ago, he wanted, he knew myrtle was going to be big in some way and he had a choice whether to plant aniseed or lemon myrtle. He wasn't sure, he was going to choose between the two. He chose aniseed, and then lemon myrtle took Obviously off. Obviously, he stuck yeah. with all this aniseed myrtle, um, but they use that in the in the gin as well. Or even the distiller's grandfather, who was clearing the place out, and it wasn't until someone came over to help him that he realised he'd been clearing out a whole bunch of wild raspberries without yeah. just thinking they were weeds. Uh, I'd love to go there in spring. If you're oh, ne- yeah. if you're near Byron in spring, go to go to Brookie's uh, or Cape, Cape Byron, Byron Distillery, yeah, and. Do the that rainforest would be spectacular. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, there'll be berries and all sorts of food. Uh, the, the gin was great. I will be, will be probably be buying some. I wish I had bought some when I was there. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I think both Luke and I did not take on. We didn't check any baggage. So um, we probably could have utilised someone else. But, uh, yeah, well, it wasn't in the front of my mind, but it was delicious. Um, now, the reason we're up there, the, the Stone Day, uh, which we talked about, which is kind of the, the brew day for their stone beer where all the, the uh, shops and bars and, and people like us take part in actually brewing the beer, which is more just standing around by the fire while they heat up the stones. Sure, yeah. So they use rocks to go into the beer to, to uh, flash heat and caramelise once the beer's kind of all boiled. Uh, so we stood around a fire, we drank a lot of beer, in moderation actually. Yeah, I, I drank a lot of water. Crazy. I mean... Uh, I think we knew going in, but I mean, a lot of people in the industry drink a lot more than we do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was tough going at some stages, but yeah. um, it was great. Unbelievable. Yeah. Byron is a really cool place. Yeah. We didn't see a lot of it. Did we saw we? railways. We saw rail, rail, the rails. The rails, yeah. great. There was an outrageous cover band there playing outrageous choices but they crushed everything yeah they did crush it yeah I would like to go back to Byron I think I said this last time I was there and spend a week because Byron is one of those places that's full of local arts and crafts and producers and people making things like even so we went to the production brewery as well Um, so Stone and Wood have their their main site or their small site the tasting room and they've got a which is a lot smaller than I was anticipating yeah Yeah. they're going to be moving that to a newer, slightly bigger premises. Yeah. But then they've got their, their huge production brewery, and that's it's a huge place. It's a plant, yeah. Any other standouts from the weekend for you, Dave? Uh, I mean, beer-wise, yeah. we tasted some of the best of... Certainly would have someone who, like, everyone's had Pacificale a lot, and it was amazing. Fresh from the source. It was so good. So enjoyable. That Green Coast Lager, though, was delicious. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Really, yeah. really good. Also, the Garden Ale... I mean, there wasn't really a bad beer um, on the list, but um, just some things you might overlook because 
there's not really a reason to buy a Green Coast Lager here for a lot of people that might listen to this show, but gee, it's good though. Um, I don't think I ever really see it. And it might just be where I shop. No, I think like, I, I mean, I only see it in bottle shops, but like most bottle shops that have Pacific Ale have got Green Coast okay. as well. So, yeah. I think the only time I've, I remember having it is at the now defunct Gertrude Hotel. Right. And they had a lot, they always had it on tap there. And I was like, oh shit, I've never actually tried that. Let's try it. And really enjoyed it. And I probably drank that more than anything else this weekend. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, fair comment. Um, tasted really good. I remember my first, the first Stonewood beer I ever had was Green Coast. Uh, and I remember it because I didn't really know what I was doing. I just heard this like Stonewood was this amazing beer. And it was just, I'd only heard it referred to as Stone and Wood, not Pacific Ale. So I went to the bottle shop and found some Stone and Wood and I bought it and I liked it. And I was like, I'm not sure if it's as, as amazing as everyone says it. Maybe I've just got some amazing palette that uh, it's pedestrian to me. But, yeah. Uh, everyone else thinks it's amazing. And yeah. It wasn't long before I had a Pacific Ale and went, oh, <laughs> that's what they were talking about. Yeah. Yeah, big thanks to Stone and Wood. I think we should take a quick break after that love letter to Stone and Wood. Fantastic. And Byron Bay, and get another beer, uh, and then we can talk a little bit about where we are. And wonderful I've got a idea. Of talking points for us. Welcome back. Hey, Dave, guess where we are? Well, I know where we are. So oh, okay. Guess. Hey, listen to guess where we are. I'm right now, actually. Um, you can see the sign. Yeah, we decided to do this show at Hop Nation. When Luke said to me, I can't really see very well and I'm starting to get sort of headaches, I was like, well, let's do something close to you. Hey, what about Hop Nation? Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong. Uh, and we just got a pint of the chop. Because why the hell not? These guys have just put their beer into, all of their beer into cans. Uh, by all accounts, it's going really good. Really good looking well. cans. Yeah, they look. They do look good. Uh, How much of a problem do you think for the consumer is what the labels look like from a distance? In what regard? As in, they all kind of look the same. These Hop Nations cans, very distinctive images. You can easily read what um, the beer, the beer name is uh, from the can. You can very distinctly read what the style is. Yeah. However. From a distance, if there's more than one beer, they probably look the same. I don't know. That's an interesting... But is that a problem? I don't know. Well, I, I guess if people identify... And there is that kind of thing, and I know it's coming up in the States with brands like Firestone Walker 805. Yeah. Uh, What's that one? I think that's like a golden ale. Okay. And that's becoming their, almost a different brand. Oh, so, okay. So people are identifying that as... 805. Sure. Not identifying that as Firestone Walker. And I think, and I've kind of seen some discussions, I can't remember where I saw them, but Firestone Walker are almost pushing that separately as well. Like it's got its own website, for so example. So they're like, they're like running with that. Yeah. It's and become I, its own thing. And I guess Furphy is a similar thing. Um, Fat Yak struggled with that for years, and that ultimately led to the demise of everything, everything yeah. Matilda Bay. Yep. I mean, I, I guess it. There is no right answer. You look at what Garage Project does, and every beer looks completely different. Yep. Or you look at a brand like Hawkers or Bolter, yep. where you know, I know that a Bolter beer is probably going to be pretty good. 
Yep. And their cans are really distinctive. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of segs nicely into our next conversation. Sure does, yeah. So Hargreaves Hill rebranded. We both quite like Hargreaves Hill beers. Been a fan of them. They've been around for since we started since getting into beer. I've been involved, yeah. Um, they've rebranded, I think it's the third time since in the last few years. Okay. They've gone down the path of the, I guess, I, I almost call it now the Bolter model because that's the most obvious sure. example with the white top. With Each beer has the you know colour blocked white top. Each beer has a different colour at the base. I mean, half and half almost. I don't love it, if I'm honest. And I just think we're done with that. Yep. Bolter have done it. Um, eight Wired did it recently. They look, eight Wired and the Hargreaves look very similar. I even think that... Because um, Hargreaves aren't canning anything. It's, it's bottle label art. And I feel like that design theme doesn't suit bottle labels as well as it suits cans. Yeah, okay, um, yep. But that's almost beside the point because the sheer... Um, the sheer flooding the market of those design themes mm. is a little bit tired now. Is that an Australian theme, do you think? I feel like... No, it couldn't be. They're using colours as an identification. Yeah. And familiarity has got to be a universal sort of thing. I guess that, yeah, that, that colour blocking, two-tone situation, I don't... I don't know. I guess it's probably more noticeable because we see all of Australian beers lined up yep. in Australia. Uh, I think Wolf of the Willows were, might have been the first to do with the black and the yeah the close to in Australia. it yeah. or at least that we know of so yeah, Vic- yeah. locally Victoria or whatever. But now you know Hawkers obviously did it uh, massively Hawkers, well. Hawkers, Bolter, Brick Lane, Brick Lane, Brick Lane looked like Hawkers with the Fraser logo to me. I feel like we're ragging on everyone for their design. Um, but maybe we're just it's no one's it's no one's fault, but collectively no. it's becoming a little bit tiresome. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. I guess with Hargraves Hill, and I, maybe we need to speak to them about this because it's probably unfair to, uh, opinion based at least. Sure. But, yeah. You know, I don't get the personality of Hargraves Hill and that style of label. Sure. Now, a little bit counter. Whatever we think about how that compares with other um, design themes out there at the moment, I think it's a step up for them. For sure. Um, I've always felt like they were a little bit lost on the shelf um, and it was diff- very difficult to identify what the beer was just based on, uh, if anyone remembers the old labels, it was uh, pretty much the white with the, what's that? The, quadrant. The what's that? Oh, quadrant? did they have the... It was always the, that the sort X. of thing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you'd have to like inspect the bottles really, unless you were an Uber fan, to identify what the beer was and it wasn't really easy to know it could have been uh, it, it wasn't necessarily identifiably Hargraves Hill yeah uh, that, that is that is fair and as part of this they're relaunching their core range uh, they've put in a Dortmunder export style lager I think they've just called it lager but it's sure. based on the Dortmunder style what is that what's that uh, like I'm not super familiar with it from Memory and I, I, God, please don't correct me if I'm wrong. If anyone's listening out there, around about a four percent, um, slightly maltier. I always thought it was slightly red. I'm probably going to look it up while I'm yeah, saying okay. this, but I always thought it was, um, yeah, around four between four and five percent. I a actually, as a result of the rebrand, they were brought to my attention a little bit. Um, 
I grabbed one of the beers. I actually, I, I, I know it was good. I think it was the pale, but even probably, that might actually speak to the sameness of the labels and the design. I don't really recall which beer it was that I had, but I thought it was well made and um, enjoyable. So, uh, no, I'm completely wrong. Uh, okay. Dortmunder is a basically similar to a Pilsner. Okay. So Fair pale, um, well attenuated, crisp. Um, Can I ask you one uh, tangent question? Yeah. In the last week, since you knocked your contact lens out with your camera, have you had any f- hilarious moments? Because, I mean, you have to like look sideways at your phone a little bit to <laughs> yeah, read it. Yeah. Have you had any interactions that have been a little bit... Uh, Unusual. Oh, I've been trying to leave, not leave the house. Okay, basically. Fair call, um, yeah. for that reason, like, um, maybe we we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Okay, but Dortmund export, yeah, it seems it's just a like a little pilsner sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I was completely wrong. I don't know what I'm getting confused with. Right. Um, and but yeah, to to I guess the rebrand credit, you picked up a bottle. I'm more likely to pick up a beer, beer now. Now they've refreshed their core. Yeah, range. and it's like very clear about what the beer is. Um, based on the new labels um, it's unifying their brand at least I think it ticks plenty of boxes but I feel like we're we're like pretty grumpy bastards about this sort of stuff and also at the pointy end I mean maybe on the shelf uh, in the more local markets it pops more on the shelf it depends I don't know but like up against a lot of other brands it's easy to draw comparisons I, I guess in my the reason like one of the reasons we're discussing it is it is an interesting case study. Oh for yeah. The reasons we said at the start was you know they're a brand that we we've known for a while and we've always really enjoyed, but it's never really found its place on the shelf. Yep. Uh, in bottle shops and things like that. So you know when something like that rebrands, I'm going to take tons of interest in that and see what they're doing. To, to fix yeah. the issues which they've, you know, they said that's why they're rebranding. And also I feel like we're barracking for them. Mm. So you want them to crush it. You want them to kick massive goals. Here's the thing. They retired the Hefeweizen. Uh, another brewery that's retired the Hefeweizen and made it seasonal recently is Six String up in uh, Erina, New South Wales. Oh, yeah. Home that's of Erina Fair, big uh, shopping mall. Right. Yeah. That's very specific. In my yeah. old job, I've got a... I'm pretty sure we've still got a couple of aerials or antennas stuck on the roof there, which I've just ab- I just abandoned when I worked there and left a note for the the next guy that took over my job. P.S. Grab those antennas one day. Right. What Long were the antennas doing? They were. Uh, I'm going to rag on the ABC here quickly. Okay. Uh, so basically, we used to have my old job sites around Australia that were grabbing radio and TV from the local radio and TV stations and sending it back to our servers uh, and to do that we would hire out either local radio stations or computer shops to you know rent a little hardware, room yeah. yep and we had to deal with the ABC so everywhere the ABC was or most places the ABC was we could use their, their the thing yeah. and then one day the ABC they were based at Air and Affair the big shopping mall they decided or they were leaving the shopping mall they didn't tell us they literally cut the cables on all of our gear, locked the door, and then abandoned the site. And so, like, our site goes down. I'm trying to work out what the hell's going on in Melbourne. Ringing around, can't get hold of anyone there. 
takes me about a week to get to the bottom of it, to get someone in there, and they're like, here, there's no one here, it's locked up, and I can see your gear is the only thing left. I'm like, what's just happened here? The annoying thing was we had to negotiate a separate lease with the shopping centre to put an antenna on the roof. And they stiffed us with like a five-year contract, which was Bloody out of step hell. with our ABC contract. And it was the whole thing. There's an insight into the media monitoring world. And Erina, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, so six string have a Weizen, yeah. Yeah, so they used to have a great one in the tin. I really like that beer. Do you think that it's because Hefeweizen might, it might be a dip of Hefeweizen, um, I don't know. Like it's, it's the least interesting style. Yeah, but to like, people at the moment, it was interesting when everything was new and fresh. It was a different. Everyone was like, if anyone was describing different flavors in beer, almost the go-to description would be like, you can taste banana, you can taste clove, <laughs> it was banana like, and clove. It was always banana and clove. It was always <laughs> describing Hefeweizens, right? Yeah. And that's interesting. Do you think that like now, it's not the right time for Hefeweizen, but that's gonna come back again later on? That is probably that was gonna be my next comment. I think Hefeweizen. Is there is a I think there's a strong place in the Australian market. Yeah, I think so too. For a um, there's a good example out of Texas, I think, in the US. Uh, Live Oak Hef, they've just put it into tins, and it's like this cult favourite. And it, it's one of those ones that amongst the hardcore beer geeks that are you know trading imperial stouts in the US and going crazy for things, a case of Live Oak Hef is just gold. So do you? And think I that think there's a space for that. So within that. I agree to um, theoretically, but do you think population number-wise, we've got enough room to support those little gems? I think so, but, like I, but, if, but I think there's yeah. more settling needed in the in the yeah, industry. Yeah, fair enough. And I think, say the six-string one, for example, if that had a a beautiful tin, um, I think you know their their last their packaging wasn't bad. But I think it was kind of their their logo and not much else. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, and that was a good beer in a can. I really um, liked it. Never had it. I wish I did now. Um, I might see if Grape and Granny got any old ones left over. Yeah, I, they're, they're doing it seasonally, so next yeah. spring, summertime. But yeah, uh, if you were to, if someone was to package one in a nice looking package, and I think that that helps. Kaiju Crush, I think, is a great example. Not absolutely. to discount that beer, no, but, but absolutely, the packaging goes a long way. If Kaiju, if Kaiju Crush was a hef... Yeah, you know what? No. I don't know. Not yet. Not yet. Three or four years' time? I just don't think there's a... I, do, I think that those sort of like popping fresh, hoppy, low alcohol beers are exactly what people want to buy tins of at the moment. I still don't think Hefeweizen is there yet. But I, I, I want to. I yeah, want, I, I want that to be a thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. Do you think are there any cans or anything that's selling was seemingly popular that's surprising? There's probably not really. I think the last. I th- I mean, I feel like I'm sure locally it's still a killer, but I feel like the greater interest in the hazelnut brown at Bad Shepherd has probably died down a little bit. Yeah, putting yeah. tins. Hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but. Uh, that's the last thing that I was like, huh, that's really popular. Yeah, yeah. Don't know why that is. Um, oh, not that I don't know why it is, but it surprises me anyway, yeah. Are we, are we almost past the age then of classic styles being popular? And I, I guess I say that when you look at 
the hottest 100 is a, a an interesting gauge on the market. Yeah. There are no traditional styles in the sense of a traditional style. There's a lot of X, XPA, Pacific Ale. Yeah, no, well, I feel like that Australia is in the stage of the industry where people making really good examples of New World beers is where it's at. I think it'll come back around where some more just nailed classics. I mean, whenever you drink locationally, like when you go to Red Hill and you drink all their beers, you go, amazing, amazing. This golden ale is delicious. This like 8% Imperial Stout, perfect. Yeah. Like everything's like bang on. Um, And you, you appreciate that then. And I think that overall that might kick in later on with some... With the introduction of a West Coast IPA, Australian or West Coast Pale Ale as well, when they become the norm of classic styles again, the, I think the other ones are gonna. Oh, when you when you drink a Vine Stefana Pilsner, it's yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. Best. or a Vine Stefana anything, anything of theirs. Oh, yeah, probably gonna get one on the way home. I had now. the Vitus <laughs> not long ago. It's yeah. So good. Yeah, it's a good beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I feel like. Uh, it's it, probably more of an industry thing than the beer thing at the moment. Yeah, there's more settling down needed, which is kind of cool where everyone's just like, you know, you're seeing all these people come into the industry um, in terms of drinkers wandering into a place like Hop Nation and going, shit, they've got a the chop, which is somewhat of an IPA, somewhat of a New England IPA. Uh, they've got the Buzzed, which is a coffee red ale. Yeah, they got uh, the fresh Jedi juice, things. which is so legit. Uh, I don't think haze. there's any traditional styles on tap. No, the Pilsner's closest, but that's a it's very... It's not on tap at the moment. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's a, but that's a very, very new world Pilsner, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, they've got a Session Ale, which is kind I of... I haven't had that yet. So yeah, it was kind of fun. I, I just brushed my teeth when I had it. So I c- that heart is probably the closest you'll get, and that's still a pretty aggressive... Yeah, um, yeah. Pretty aggressive example of a uh, pale ale. And... These guys have a pretty hardcore legion of fans around yeah, their beers. Definitely. And they don't have anything you'd call a traditional style. No. That, that, that I guess that people are hardcore about. Do you reckon the closest one that they would have to a traditional style is the Kalash? Or is that too bold? No, that's... Yeah. Just too out there? Yeah, barrel-aged, yeah. blended. But hey, that's, what the, that's sort of what yeah. these kind of edgy brewers it, are about. Yeah. And it's fun to see that. And I guess we're talking about Stone and Wood. They rewrote the style guideline or they wrote the style guideline yeah. for Pacific Ale which didn't exist till they came along and they made a, a wheat hazy um, galaxy driven beer yep. uh, should we use that as our speaking segue? of Pacific Ale yeah. it's no surprise that while we were uh, in Byron the pretty hot topic of conversation was the newly announced um, stadium deal that Four Pines had yep and um Without any mention of uh, a Four Pines Pacific Ale, part of the marketing for the stadium deal was a tap decal mentioning a Four Pines Pacific Ale. Yeah, which turns out it's a mid-strength beer. Mm-hmm. So I guess for people that don't know, Four Pines are going into the SCG with a bar, which is cool, great. Yep. And um, I think they also got a deal with taps at other bars Okay, cool. Uh, on top of the bar as well, yep. so... Um, and I, for yeah. sheer visibility, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they are owned by the people that have the, the contracts, uh, AB and Bev. So, you know, it does make sense that Four Pines are going to play in that space. It's a good step, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to begrudge that. 
but part of that, they in the press releases they didn't mention, as you as you alluded to, they didn't mention the Pacific Ale. And, and they mentioned a lot of beers that were going to be part of the bar. That's shitty. It is. And yeah. I, you know what? Like, I, I I've never had a love for Four Pines. I think we've discussed this in the past. Yeah, when we talked about the Space Beer, I think we talked about this. Yeah, yeah. but I've never disliked them and their stout was a banger. Yep. Their Kolsch has done a lot of league work. Kolsch was good. I always liked, I don't know, maybe because my pale ale tastes have changed in the past, but I always thought the pale ale was pretty good yep. when I was uh, pretty green back in the day. Um, but then they... The ESB, the Calador series, I really enjoyed. So um, Oh, uh, I... In, in the upcoming book that uh, comes out in August, please buy it. The in-season IPA, banger. Never even heard oh, of that. So, yeah. so, so that's their IPA, but they, I think it's core range, but they keep changing which hops go in it sure. based on what the freshest okay. hops are. Great idea. So good. Uh, that's a great idea for yeah. a beer. And it's so good. Uh, I mean, if you want to keep doing this, uh, on the way to uh, Cairns, when I went to Port Douglas... Had a can of Indian Summer Ale on the plane, yep. available on the on the airline at Virgin. That's a pretty good beer too. Yeah. Um, so after this gush fest, like fuck you, you know what? They know what they're doing when they're putting out Pacific Ale, not mentioning it in the press release, and yeah, no, nah, that's a shitty move. I don't know what their case. I don't know what their case is, but Pacific Ale doesn't describe any part of the beer they're emulating it doesn't describe anything essentially except for getting on the coattails of an extremely successful predecessor yeah um for people that want i guess want to know more about the pacific ale case and what's happening with that name check out bruce news uh james atkinson at bruce news has covered it in many articles um immensely well i i, I don't think we should even there's try no and ground recap. that we can cover uh, other won't than go where they're going yeah so well uh, uh, I was trying to think about an, an analogy of it, and it's kind of uh, it's just taking someone's flagship yep. beer and then trying to make it your own. It's a grab, which is dishonest, and um, not mentioning in the press release. I know I've said it already, but come on, no, like it's like a really, it's a yes, yeah, it's just it's a shitty move. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a real shame. It is a shame because like all those positive comments we had about them were very genuine comments. Yeah, but. Or know, just, when you yeah. talk, when people talk about buyouts, oh, nothing's going to change. I can't imagine Four Pines pre ABNB buyout doing that. Maybe they would have. Maybe that's always planned. Maybe maybe we're gonna, someone's going to come back and say, "No, nah, we always." Here's the reason. Yeah, it's why, pretty easy for us to say that would never happen, but um, it, it just, wouldn't have. It just sucks. <laughs> I'm yeah. confident saying no. Yeah, it sucks, and it creates it just creates so many unnecessary headaches for for Stone and Wood. Yeah, definitely. Well, it doesn't because CUB can, or ABNB can call it Pacifico because of they own the rights to Pacifico. Yeah, it left, when, when someone told me that, that left a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, and it wasn't just the beer. <laughs> hey. Anyway, I bet the beer's good as well. Fine, yeah. And I bet, like, if I'm at a stadium and there's two taps, that and Great Northern and Carlton Draft, three taps, I'll get that. And I'll probably enjoy it, but don't be a dick about it. It's disappointing, yeah. Yeah. Shall we, on that note, take a break and come back and wrap up? (laughs) 
Welcome back, everyone. This is, I mean, there's probably a few people that are a little bit melancholy right now, knowing that this is going to be the final segment of the show. Yeah. Are you melancholy about yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, okay. What did you think of the chop? Chop the chop, man. Delicious? Always. I thought it was really delicious. Yeah. I mean, that's the expectation, though. Yeah. That's the, that's the new benchmark of chop. Yeah. When it's, it's tasting pop and fresh, maybe you might get, you might inch above that, but man, it's good. Perfectly delicious. Do you have... Oh, should I start off this time? Because I started off last time. I, I want to keep that thing oh, going on. you want to keep it rolling? Okay, yeah, yeah. what do you want to start with? Um, let's do beer first. I like doing beer and then finishing on a non-beer. Did I end up figuring out a non-beer? You can work it out while I talk, eh? Oh, all right. So, uh, I've had a couple of interviews recently with some brewers in the States uh, where I'm interviewing them about Australian hops. Story to come out soon, watch this space, but... The theme that they've been that I kind of picked up on, and all, when I say picked up on, they told me directly. Um, Australian hops in hazy beers or New hazy England style beers. New England I don't know style if I'm beers. familiar with the the notion. Delicious style, right? Uh, New England style IPAs. Uh, so your Galaxy, your Ally, your Enigma, uh, Vic Secret, they work really well in that style of beer. When you talk about breweries like Trillium and Tired Hands and Treehouse, so Trillium, Tired Hands, Treehouse, all of they, all of those guys use a lot of Australian hops in their hazy IPAs. I don't know if a lot of Australian brewers are really using them that way. Sure, there is a few. I think Modus use quite a few, but so this recommendation isn't so much for drinkers, but for brewers. Look in your backyard. We've got some good ones here. Yeah, get onto Enigma. Enigma is about to blow up. And Dare that I say that Enigma is delicious? It's a delicious hop. Get on Enigma, make a delicious hazy IPA with it. Uh, please please do that because you'll be getting it in better condition than Mosaic, Citra. Sure. Go talk to OJ at Hot Products. That's my recommendation. Yeah, that's great. My beer recommendation might sound like the old man gripe that our listeners have come to expect from us, right? Okay. It doesn't sound like us. Stop drinking sweet stouts. They're not good. What do you mean by sweet stouts? Milk stouts or just no, imperial stouts? I mean stouts? like imperial stouts with the alcohol content to make them diabetes up. We've been like... My girlfriend got excited about beer, understandably. It's exciting. Started buying beers that excited her from the descriptions, whatnot. And it's resulted in a lot of sweet stouts being in my cupboard. We've been trying to go th- get through them. We How's re- she going with them then? If she, that's her... Uh, I'm sure she likes them more than I do. Okay. But I think, I'm, I think my opinion's rubbing off on her though. Right. Um, we had recently, whatever the canned version of Nikella uh, Beer Gig Brunch is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 10.2%. Yeah. Uh, it's not... Uh, oh. I didn't enjoy it. I'm not going to say yeah, it's not yeah. good. Yeah. Because it probably ticks all the boxes that it should. But I don't like it. It's not, it's not fun. It's a it's salt on the senses. Yeah. And I don't know what beer you have after that. Maybe you're not supposed to. But it's... It's called brunch. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard. I don't know. It's not. It's not enjoyable to me. And I, 
find it increasingly difficult to find any beer like that that is enjoyable. There's definitely a ceiling when it comes to... Or, how about this? Maybe this is the opportunity where we need to step up complexity of malt profiles in those kinds of beers to bring something other than just like a ridiculous assault to my tongue. Did you try Bourbon County Stout? No, I haven't. No, um, I haven't. I'm, I don't, like, like we have our IPA rule, sub 8%. Hey, Liberty Citrus 9.2. There's obvious exceptions yeah, to the yeah, rule yeah. when they're done really well. And I'm sure that Bourbon County Stout is a good example of that. But it's the exception to the rule. Yeah. Sorry. I feel like I just uh, grandstanded nah, a little bit there. I, I love the opinion-based segment. I feel like this has been the most opinion-based show we've done in a while. Yeah, fair call. That's why that's that's why people love us, Dave. We make delicious opinions. Yeah, and we throw them out to the public. And we use fun adjectives, right? Yeah, yeah. We've got a myriad of delicious adjectives that we throw out to the public. Non beer. Oh, uh, I don't know if I've even thought about uh, that yet. I'll uh, go for mine first. Oh, okay. I've got one. Yeah, so go, uh, go first. So I haven't actually listened to the album yet, but it's come out. I think in the last couple of days. Or it's going to come out soon. Um, Janelle Monet, she's a uh, American R&B artist making some amazing tunes. I think she came out as pansexual the, the other day. What is pansexual, if, if I might ask? I don't know. Okay. But it was the top result. Um, Merriam-Webster tweeted that the top result for the last week has been pansexual since she tweeted that. Okay. Um, but her, like, she is ridiculously good at making music. Check out her album. Uh, yeah, listen to some delicious tunes. Sure. Um, good wreck. What do you got? Fortunately, in the last couple of weeks, I think it might have been the 15th of April, uh, we lost Ali Ermi. Do you know who Ali Ermi is? I do not. He was Sergeant Hartman in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I do know who that is. Yeah. 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 Uh, and that opening scene in Full Metal Jacket, or his opening scene where he's screaming at the uh, yes. recruits. Yeah. It's one of the be- it's a what people don't often realize about that scene. That's a one that's one shot. Also, that was his first ever role. Yeah, but he was a he was a real drill sergeant with the navy. I think he might have been with. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, that opening scene, one shot of him just screaming, berating the rookies, is perfect. Vincent D'Onofrio is also is, who's the guy he's screaming at. That's right. Yeah, uh, which is. It's an amazing scene. It's a really great movie, and that is currently uh, on Netflix. So I would recommend anyone oh, who hasn't Jacket seen Full Metal Jacket can to I either visit or revisit Full Metal Jacket. Can I piggyback off that Please. for a Full Metal Jacket recommendation? Sure. Watch it in two parts. What does that mean? It's a long movie. Oh, okay. So and it's prepare quite intense. yourself. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so watch the school I part. Think it might only be less than two hours, though. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, sorry, so it's a very... Intense movie. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, sure. So the the school part is great, amazing, and then the war part is great and amazing. Or just be happy, like be like, don't be disappointed if you pause it h- halfway through yeah, yeah, and come back fine. to it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, amazing movie. He's a bit of a treasure. So yeah, uh, yeah. That's my recommendation. Hey, before we wrap up, sure. we've got some uh, good beer week things to talk about. Absolutely. So for good beer week, we're hosting Melissa Cole at the Catfish. Catfish Hotel here in Melbourne. Catfish Hotel? Catfish Bar? Whatever Cat, it is. What you, the, everyone knows the Catfish. Yep. Yeah. Um, Melissa Cole, author, we've, we mentioned her previously. It's going to be a blast. We're going to do a live podcast. We're going to drink some London beers. It's free, so you can just rock up. 
you can rock up, get some London beers, chat to Melissa Cole, and, and hear her take on, on what they're doing. Forget that. Luke Roberts and Dave Ellis are going to be involved. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I heard they're pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Guys, I understand that it's good beer week and there's so much awesome stuff going on, but Monday night, come on. Yeah, Give us your you Monday. Doing? I promise you it will be fine. Um, Patreon, stay tuned. Yeah, Patreons, we're, we're trying to work out a few things for you guys for that night as well. Uh, so, yeah, so stay tuned to that. Now, other good beer week things that I should shout out. For Good Beer Week, the Trade Hub, I'm doing a panel about marketing. Uh, I've finalised the guests, and I've got some amazing guests. I've got awesome. Dam- Damien Kelly, previous Perfect. guest. Yep, he's great. Uh, he's designed fixation labels, Molly Rose labels. He worked on the James Squire first story. Like, yep, yep. Yep. Um, I've also got the two people that worked on the Three Raven Three brand, which is happening right now. Sure. Um, Oddly and Simon. Come along to that. Um, that's going to be Wednesday, 16th of May at 12 p.m. There's already 20 people registered, so okay. get on board with that. Out of how many? Uh, I think we've got like 50 or so. Okay, Maybe so get 30. involved. I don't so know. hurry up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm also doing beer school, so we're doing a uh, whole new world, which is new new world, old world styles with Boat Rocker um, collaboration. Sure. So Saturday, the first Saturday at 12 p.m. So the first day? Yep. Yep. Uh, what is that, the 12th? The 12th at 12pm 12 12, at yep. Beer Deluxe. Uh, you put what in there is the next one, which is Saturday oh. the 19th. Oh, that's fun ingredients. Yep, yep, fun ingredients. Again with Boat Rocker and some other breweries. That's at 12pm on the 19th. And the IPA one is sold out, so you missed out. Oh, shit. That's awesome that like you've got sold out sessions already. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, come along to that. And if you don't, just go to a Good Beer Week event. Yeah, have be a last. good time during Good Beer Week because it's the holy week of our industry. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Thank you so much.